It was a cold, cold night. Have you ever been out on a cold, cold night with a really crappy car? I don't know if you've ever been out on a cold, cold night in a really crappy car, because those are very unique, because you never forget them. Because the, the heater wasn't working, and, the, and the, my hands were freezing. And then the car just decided that it would utterly die. It was late at night, and I had no one to call. I was uh, only a mile and a half away from, almost two miles away from my house, which was rough because, two, you know, my house was in a rough neighborhood, but two miles away from my house was a real rough neighborhood, so I did not want the car to die in the middle of the night in this neighborhood. And so I'm there, and I'm thinking, and I was like, oh, wait, and I called a friend. His name is Wilson. He's actually preached here, Pastor Wilson, Wilson Delgado. Yeah, there he is. Wow. Oh, those were younger days. He doesn't look like that anymore. Okay, no. So, I'm kidding. Not really, but okay. So, he came, and I called him up, and he said, I said, Wilson, would you just please come to the car and and give me a boost and and, and help me? And, And he did. He got dressed, got out of bed got dressed, came, jumped the car, you know, came with the jumper cables and came in the freezing cold. I'm in that car in the freezing cold. It was terrible. We, he lift, we lifted up the hood. We jumped the car. It started. I said, Wilson, do me a favor. Go home. Thank you so much. This is a, such a great gift. And he said, no, 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 I'm not going to go home. What I want you to do is I want you to pull out first and then I'm going to go behind you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay with you for as long as this car is getting you home. And I'm going to, and I try to talk him out of it. I said, no, 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 don't do that. Go home. It was already late. I felt bad that I had taken him out of bed. And he said, no, I'm, I'm going to stay with you. And it was a good thing that he did. The car died every time it stopped. And it was one of those nights where the red lights were against us. Have you ever been on one of those streets where the red lights have an evil eye towards you and they are going to come up? Oh, you're coming up on the block. Boom, red. Unbelievable. And so it was a series of driving and trying, praying that the red light wouldn't come on. The red light comes on. We stop. Car dies. Get out the car. Push the car to the side uh, so it's not in traffic. Open up the hood. Put the cables, you know, circle around. Wilson circles around. Puts the cables on. Turn on the car. It starts up. Pray that it stays started. Take off the cables. Shut the thing. Drive as fast, you know, time it so that the lights start. And then drive as fast. We never got any more than two or three blocks. It took close to two hours to make that mile and a half. If you were in a wheelchair and had no arms, you would have gotten home faster than me. But it was something. Because I had a problem that I couldn't solve on my own. And he came to not only solve my problem, but to stay till it was over. We are starting, or have started, a brand new series. It's, it's our Advent series. And the name of the series is, And That's What Christmas Is All About. And the reason is, it's because every article, magazine, book, movie, 
TV show that you experience during the Christmas season will at one point during that book, article, magazine, movie, or show will say, and that's what Christmas means to me. Or, and that's what Christmas is all about. Or, that's what I think Christmas is. And in this series, what we want to do, listen to me, this is really important. What we want to do in this series is we want to give you a, a, a series of simple statements that you can easily memorize so that you would know that at the end of that statement, you could say, and that's what Christmas is all about. But not just say it so that you could receive it, but say it so that you could share it with others because this Christmas gift is not just one to be received, it's one to be repackaged and to give away to others. I want you to receive it deeply, deep into your heart and then share it with others. Today, we're going to look Last week, we looked at Mary's story. Today, we're going to look at Joseph's story. And Matthew, who is the writer of the book of Matthew, is going to tell us this story of Joseph. And it's one that Matthew wants us not only to hear what Joseph went through, but wants us to focus on what, on what God wanted Joseph to focus on. God gives Joseph some things to do and it reminds him that God is not just here to address the problem, but he's here to stay all through the evening because we all need that. And isn't it true you've gone through moments like that? Maybe it wasn't a car. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was a hospital stay. You stayed at the hospital and someone came, and they just were sitting by your side. And, they, and your heart was down, but they came to lift your heart up. And they stayed with you. Because you know that it's not just enough to address an issue. You want people to stay with you. Or maybe it was during the divorce. When someone came alongside of you, and while they couldn't fix your marital situation, they could address your loneliness and just sit with you and stay with you because you needed someone not just to address an issue, you needed someone to stay a while. Maybe, maybe it was a financial crisis that you went through. You know, the kind of financial crisis where you go, well, it was nice living in this apartment while, as long as it lasted. And then someone comes alongside of you, maybe mom or, or pop or brother or sister or friend, and they go, here, listen, I want you to use these resources and they stay and help and serve and love. See, in every one of our lives, there's going to be a moment where someone comes alongside of us to help us. And that we're going to long for them to stay while the dark night persists. See, God knows that every one of us will experience that. But most of all, God knows that we'll experience that in some ways where no one can come and fix and no one can stay that long. And so God decides to come and address the issue himself. And he comes and he stays. Joseph is about to find this out in a powerful and meaningful way. 
We, we find Joseph's story in the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. I want you to stand at the reading of the word because we have a respect for God's word where we just want to pause and just go, okay, God, what you're saying is more important. It's more, it has more authority. And so we stand. If you're able to, we ask that you stand. I'll read this to you and from 24 and 25, you will read it together. Is that fair? This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. Pause. Look at me. You think you know this story. You think you know this story and you can check out. You don't have to listen to anything else because you already know the story. You saw the Peanuts cartoon. You've read it and you've heard it since you were a kid. I'm telling you, I want you to come to this story with fresh eyes. God is going to show us something about how he saves and how he stays. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, everyone together. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and gave him the name Jesus. This ends the reading of God's word. Please have a seat. Joseph is confronted with the biggest problem that just about the biggest problem we can all go through. I don't know if you've ever been betrayed by someone that you've loved. I don't know if someone that you cared about and trusted have ever been, have, has ever betrayed you, but that was the moment that Joseph was going through. He thought that the person that he was going to give the rest of his life to was a good and faithful woman. And he found out that she was pregnant. And he found out that she wasn't faithful. And he just, he had to, just all of his dreams, all of his hopes for the future, they were all turned on its head. What do you do? Well, God would have had to show up and the reason God had to show up and send an angel to speak to Joseph, because as much as we like to think that we are uh, 
uh, a community or a society led by science and we don't believe fables and, and mysteries like this anymore. I just want you to know that Joseph didn't believe it either. He knew that the only way that a woman can get pregnant, there was just one way, and he knew it. And so when Mary came and said, oh, it was an angel, he was like, oh, okay, all right. It was an angel, of course. You have to understand, it wasn't like Mary heard the angel. Remember what we talked about last week? It wasn't like Mary heard the angel say, you're going to be with child, and then ran and told Joseph. The angel said, you're going to be with child, and then she went because the angel told her about Elizabeth. And he went to be with Elizabeth. She went to be with Elizabeth for three months. So by the time Mary comes back, Joseph hasn't seen her for three months, and she's got a baby bump. It's a rough one. It's tough to believe. So you could understand why God would have to send the FedEx. <laughs> like he would have to send a special delivery for Joseph. And the reason is, is because there's no other way. Joseph is brokenhearted. He's determined in his mind. He's determined in his mind to divorce Mary. And the way that the angel at the command of God, the way that the angel comforts Joseph is he comforts Joseph with the Christmas story. And he comforts him with the Christmas story that's in two names. You see it here in verse 21. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Now, the name Jesus is an interesting name. What it means is that God saves. Now, I want you to register that in your mind. God saves sinners. Now, put that in your mind and then go on because and then Matthew breaks into the narrative and gives a little bit of explanation of what Joseph is experiencing. This is not necessarily what Joseph thought in that moment. This is Matthew, as he's writing Joseph's story, he breaks into the story and he shares a little bit of background information. And he quotes, he reaches back all the way to this book called Isaiah. It's an Old Testament book. And he says this. In verse, uh, all this took place. You see how in verse uh, 23, he breaks into the narrative. He breaks into Joseph's experience in 20, 22 and 23. And then he comes back to the narrative. He comes back to the story. But he says, as all this took, took place, to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. In other words, uh, Matthew goes, oh, let's go to the Bible. If we're going to understand what just happened to Joseph, if we're going to understand what it means that uh, God saves and that God saves sinners, this is important that we go back to the scriptures and he says, what was said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. Now it's important to note that Matthew says that the angel tells Joseph, you will call him Jesus, but they will call him Emmanuel. You will call him Jesus. In other words, Jesus will be his name, but Emmanuel will be how he's known. Jesus 
Jesus will be his name, but Emmanuel will be how he's celebrated. Jesus will be his work and his name, but Emmanuel will be what everyone needs. Emmanuel means God with us. And that's where we get our big idea for today. Because we all need someone to come and save us, just like we said. But we also need someone to remain with us. You see, the big idea today is Jesus not only saves the day, he also remains the night. Jesus saves the day and stays the night. The dark nights of the soul when you're feeling hurt and feeling lonely, when you're feeling all abandoned, Jesus stays. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's go to the first name. The first name that the angel tells Joseph is Jesus. You see that? She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Now, the problem with this whole thing about the name Jesus And the meaning behind the name Jesus, which means God saves, the problem with that is that it's insulting before it's helpful. Do you know what I mean by insulting? See, here's the thing. If I come up to you, and have you ever been like in a, um, you see this in all like the uh, Marvel movies, right, where the heroes are fighting uh, someone, and then, of course, one of the heroes looks like he's going to get hurt from the back, or someone's going to hit him, and then another hero comes and protects him, and then the hero originally goes, he goes, I had it all under control, right, as if it was an insult that this guy came and, and, and saved him. You see, nobody, could you imagine, imagine this, imagine being on a beach, swimming and enjoying yourself, playing and splashing, cooling down from the hot weather as you're on the beach, enjoying yourself, and then could you imagine, just as you're playing with someone, ha, 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 splashing others, someone grabs you from the back in a sort of a yoke and starts dragging you to the shore. You'd be like, what on earth are you doing? You would fight, you would say, you're going to kill me, what are you doing? You see, the fact is that nobody wants a lifeguard in their lives unless their lives are threatened. And that is the, that's the insulting part about the name Jesus. See, Jesus only saves losers. Jesus only saves sinners. It's only us who need to be saved. You see, the message of American Christianity is that Jesus makes good people a little better. That Jesus makes people who are okay great. That's the message. No, no. The message of the Bible is that that you and I are drowning in a sea of self-centeredness, of selfishness, of self-indulgence and only about us, that we think only about ourselves and we kind of kid ourselves because we think of that one time where we fed the homeless guy on the street or we think of that time we helped our friend move and we think, oh, I'm not such a bad person because we compare ourselves to people who are worse than us. The bad news about Christmas is that Jesus only saves sinners. And it's terrible because nobody wants to admit that they're that bad. Nobody wants to admit that they're that bad. I don't. I don't need to be saved. You know what I need? I need to be helped. 
don't, I don't need to be saved. I need to be helped. And so that's what I want. I just, God, would you come and help me with my relationships? God, would you come and help me with my loneliness? God, would you come and help me with my struggles? But I don't need to be saved. That's, that feels drastic. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. I've come to save you. You're not, you're not just in the ocean having fun. You're drowning in an ocean of sin. Now, so those of us who are here, it's hard for us to even believe that that's possible. So let me just give you a quick exam. I do this every year. Bear with me. Um, imagine if you were going to, uh, imagine if you were going to take a morality test. And let's use a basic, simple morality test like the Ten Commandments. Really, literally, the Ten Commandments are basically ethics 101. Don't kill nobody. Don't sleep with your neighbor's wife. Don't steal nothing, right? The Ten Commandments are like ethics 101. If you're going to be in a society and you're going to live in a peaceable way, you probably want to go with the Ten Commandments. We don't have to say you believe all the Ten Commandments. I'm just saying that that's not a bad place to start. Now, think about this. The reason that you and I think we're good and we don't need to be saved is because we always compare ourselves to people who are worse off than us. In fact, whenever I ask anybody, do you think they're good? They usually say something like, yeah, I'm good. I mean, it's not like I've ever murdered anybody. As if that was the standard. And it's like, oh, okay, I guess. I guess. So what happens then is if you were to take a morality exam and just something simple. Imagine you're before God. And God only allows what's holy, perfect, and pure into his presence because God is himself holy, perfect, and pure. Imagine if you were into, and you said, well, I'm pretty good. Why, God goes, why should I let you into my heaven? And you go, well, I'm pretty good. And he goes, okay, let's take a test. You're good? Cool. I want you to take this test in your brain, okay? I actually want you to. Have you ever lied before? Just, that's just one of the Ten Commandments. Just don't bear false witness. Don't give a lie. Don't, don't lie. Have you ever lied before? I have. I have. Now, here's a question. Here's a question. Don't answer this out loud. Don't answer this out loud. If you've lied before, what does that... Don't answer it out loud. Just in your brain. If you've lied before, what does that make you? You go, well, no, I'm not a liar. And then, of course, I would go, well, how many people do you have to kill before you're considered a murderer? Just one. Well, how many lies do you have to say before you're considered a liar? Anybody know? Just one. Okay, so you're before a holy, perfect God, and we just discovered that you're a liar. Let's go to another of the Ten Commandments. Have you ever taken anything that doesn't belong to you? No? Maybe, huh? Ladies, maybe a sweater that you said you were going to return, but it's been four years, right? We call that stealing, right? Um, um, maybe a pen from work, maybe a box of paper clips. I don't know. But you've taken something that doesn't belong to you. We all have. Okay. 
What is that? Now, I don't want you to answer that out loud. But what does that make you? What does that make you? If you've taken something. Okay, so you're a liar and you're a thief. And you're before a holy, perfect God asking to come into his presence. See, I can go on in that, but do you see how silly our thoughts are about us being good? Because we don't see things the way God sees them. And God says, listen, I want you to see the desperation of your situation. Many times, and I know this because I had a a friend who was a a lifeguard. Did you know this? That lifeguards are taught um, underwater um, self-defense. Did you know that? Why would, why would a lifeguard have to know underwater self-defense? Because most people, when they're drowning, will panic and will grab at you and literally take you down with them. So many times, lifeguards, when they come up uh, around you, if, they, if you're panicking to the degree where they, you don't allow them to, they'll literally kick off of you and wait till your panic is over. It's rough, right? It's a rough one, right? Then grab you, take you to shore, perform CPR, and resuscitate you. Because they know that the only way, listen, some people can only be saved until they get to the very end of their rope. But this is the name that the angel tells Joseph. Joseph, you need a savior. It is not by your righteousness, by not by your goodness, not by your... Because Jesus saves and stays. Jesus saves. He saves. He saves the self-centered from the self-centeredness. He saves the wicked from their wickedness. He saves the guilty from their conscience. He saves those who've messed up from their shame. He saves sinners from their sin. Jesus saves, but he not only saves, he stays. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, just in case you didn't know, God with us. You see, because when Christ comes into your life, You need him to stay. Think about Joseph. With Joseph, it was crazy. Joseph, here's what you're signing up for. If you obey God, everyone will think that you're a sucker. In Spanish, we have a word for a a guy whose wife played him out. It's a horrible word that I can't even mention. It's like one of the most, I truly, true story. I, I saw this real skinny, tiny guy. He was walking up the stairs on 6th Avenue, where, on 14th Street and 6th Avenue, where the 1 and the 9 and the L meet. And he was going up, and a train had just, and he was having an argument with somebody. And then somebody named him that name, like your wife is cheating on you, you know, in Spanish. And he, that, that skinny guy, who, that big guy had met, said that, fought against an entire crowd of people just pulling him the other way because they were all going up the steps. That's how offensive that is, Right? Joseph was going to have to deal with that indignity. 
In fact, that would walk with him for all of Jesus' life and all of Joseph's life. Because nobody else was going to believe, oh yeah, an angel came came to you? I'm sure. What was he wearing? An angel said that to you? Really? What did he sound like? Because that doesn't happen. Joseph was going to walk through the rest of his life with the shame, with the shame of having to marry a woman who everybody else is going to think is is not honorable. Joseph was going to have to go through life. He was going to have to move from place to place in order to provide protection, no stability. Joseph was going to have to experience the kind of loneliness where no one understands what he's doing. Joseph was going to have to be seen as crazy from everybody who looked at him. Joseph was going to have to experience a kind of ridicule that it's hard for us to imagine. Joseph will experience this, but God says, God with you, Joseph, when you feel ridiculed and embarrassed by the things that people say behind your back. God with you during the lonely nights where you feel all alone and no one understands. God with you during the whole first year of your marriage with your wife while you take cold showers because you want to honor her and leave no doubt in people's minds that this was an immaculate conception. God with you as you move from place to place and not only God with Joseph but God with us God with us during your times of depression God with us when your career doesn't seem to be going your way God with us when the person we thought was going to be forever doesn't last as long as we thought God with us when our children are behaving badly and rebelling. God with us when our parents are behaving badly. God with us when the doctor says this is only going to be six more months and then the end. God with us because those who are sinners know that they need God not only to save, but they need God to stay. Beloved, this changes everything. This changes everything because there's nothing that you can't go through that Jesus can't save you from, and there's nothing that you will go through that he won't be with you in. Jesus saves the day, but he stays the night. And that is what Christmas is all about. Now, How do we apply this? Could you imagine tomorrow morning the boss can come in and say something like, you know, that's it. You go, how are we going to be provided for? And it's Christmas season. It's the Christmas season. How am I going to buy the kids any gifts? Listen, God saves and he'll be with you during that time, even when you don't have enough money to buy the kids any gifts. And he stays with you during the heartache And the fear of trying to find another job. Jesus saves when the marriage falls apart and your heart is breaking. 
and your spouse doesn't care, Jesus saves and he stays. Jesus saves when nothing that the doctor says is good news. And he stays when everybody else has gone home. Jesus saves when you find yourself with no one around and lonely and wish you just had one friend. You got that one friend. Because he stays. Jesus saves when the thing that you've identified yourself as, you know, the sin that you feel bent towards, you feel, I was born like this. And Jesus comes in and walks in and he stays. And he says, I have a beautiful, more sacred romance for you to be involved in with me. Jesus saves when you just want to have one drink because everybody else is. And you don't realize that that one drink is going to lead to a hellacious time. Jesus saves, but he also stays. You see, that is what Christmas is all about. That's why we cannot forget Jesus and we can't forget Emmanuel. We can't forget that he saves us in our brokenness because that reminds us that there's nothing of our brokenness that we can't bring to Jesus. And he stays and it reminds us that there's nothing that will make him go away. So we don't have to pretend. We don't have to live with masks. We can be as messed up as we are and we can be as loved and provided for as you can possibly imagine. What would it be like if we start taking this Christmas message into our lives, in our depression? Jesus saves and he stays in our divorce. He saves and he stays in our loneliness. He saves and he stays in our heartbreak. He saves and he stays. But let's go one step further. Jesus saves and he stays. What if we shared that with someone else who's going through it this Christmas? I don't know what your story is, but this is my first Christmas without my mom. She died just a couple of weeks ago. And it's been a rough one. Rough one. I think about her. I think about her life. I think about the mistakes that she made and the things that I was so angry about that don't mean so much anymore. I, I think about the ways that she tried and failed, but then tried again. I, I think about I think about wishing that I could have just kissed her on the lips and looked her in the eyes and told her, hey, you were a good mom. You were, you did the best you could. You gave me better than what you got. 
But in moments where you lose, and there's no one who can come up to you and say, well, don't worry, she's in a better place. Or no one who can come and fix the heartache. Or no one who could take away the guilt and the shame that you walk around with all the things that you've done and left said and unsaid. It's good to know that Jesus saves and that even though she's not here, Jesus stays. Beloved, that's what Christmas is all about. I'm not the only one who's going through a difficult time this Christmas. You are too, but not just you and not just me, but all of us. And it's good news if you could share it with those who need it most because Jesus saves and he stays. And that is what Christmas is all about. As the musicians come up, I want you to be reminded that there wasn't just a pronunciation of a birth, but Jesus would come. Jesus would come and not only give birth, but he would live the life that we did not live. You know, the one that's full of guilt and shame and all that. And then he took our place in dying the death, paying the penalty for our sin. He didn't deserve it. We deserved it. And so each week...